The change we've experienced in the past few years has had a global impact on people, business, and society. The flexibility around how, when, and where we work has fundamentally changed, as have the conversations and expectations about the role that employees and organizations play in this dance we call business. And we're also painfully aware of the impact that mental health, social connection, and leadership have on the well-being and performance of people and the companies that employ them. Today's guest is Chris Cummings, and he has a unique global perspective on workplace culture, people, and leadership mindset. As CEO of Wellbeing at Work, he runs an annual series of popular events in diverse countries around the world and has a front row seat to the corporate zeitgeist, as well as important regional, cultural, and organizational trends. In our conversation, we dive deep into topics like remote and hybrid work models, employee experience, wellness, benefits, learning and development, and most importantly, the impact that leadership has on outcomes for both people and businesses. Welcome to the Working Well podcast, the show that explores the rapidly changing landscape of work, well-being, and performance. Each episode, we dive into the hottest topics in leadership, corporate culture, and the future of work. I'm your host, Tim Boris. Now let's learn a little bit about Chris. Chris Cummings is on a global mission to create workplaces where employees thrive. He's group CEO of Wellbeing at Work, where his team organizes a global series of Wellbeing at Work summits, runs a global workplace community called the Wellbeing at Work Hub, and facilitates C-suite community called Wellbeing at Work Bespoke, that's helping C-suite leaders drive positive change globally. Chris is also co-founder of the Inside Out Awards in the UK and is an advisor to organizations with purpose around the world. Chris, welcome to the show. Great to see you. It, uh, it's been, what, a few weeks since you were in Calgary here? How things been since then? Yeah, great to be here. And thank you for the uh, invitation, Tim. Um, I really appreciate it. I love, uh, I love doing podcasts. And yeah, it was lovely to meet you in person in, in Calgary at the uh, summit a few weeks ago. And, um, and yeah, really, uh, I've been uh, getting back and planning for the next one. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's been a busy period. But um, yeah, great to be here today. Fantastic. And, you know, we're going to talk a whole lot about the global perspective on workplace well-being and the future of work, things like that. But I want to dive into a little bit right at the beginning of how you actually got here. Like you run these events all over the world. And I think from what I saw, you have a sales background. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so I was um, I was minding my own business in the in the corporate world, um, as you say in uh, in in sales, but but mainly on uh, events. Um, and um, it was actually uh, an episode with my partner about just over a decade ago. Um, uh, my partner has anxiety and depression, and um, uh, had a subsequently poor treatment at work, really. Um, and it just sort of stopped me in my tracks. Um, so uh, I thought that there's got to be a better way. I saw what was happening um, and, and a lot of that stress and a lot of that mental health was, was caused by the workplace. So, um, you know, uh, poor culture, uh, bad management, uh, all of those things that we, that we know can ha- have an impact on our well-being. Um, so it motivated me really to, to quit the, the corporate world and, uh, and, and start out on this mission to to bring um, leaders together to to try and change the conversation around the workplace and to, to to put an emphasis and a focus on 
on well-being in the workplace uh, with particular focus on, on mental health and, and, and looking at how that links to performance. Um, I have to say I had no ambitions to do anything internationally. It was just a small little uh, gathering in, in the UK. Um, but but more and more multinationals uh, came came to the event, told their colleagues, and um, it just sort of organically grew internationally. So um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy journey. It's been a really fulfilling one. Um, it feels very purpose driven, um, and uh, it was great to uh, to bring uh, the summit to, to Calgary this year for the first year. So um, so yeah, it's been an exciting time. Awesome. Well, it's been nine years now, I think you've been doing it and I'm mm. wonderful to see how it's grown. And I, I hope it continues to grow because this message just needs to be out there more. And I've heard the story you're saying from so many different people in, you know, different countries around the world as well. I'm sure it, it's the same in almost every country. Mm. Unfortunately for so many people, work really just sucks. And <laughs> And it's not a pleasant experience. Uh, they're feeling stressed out, burnt out. That's, I guess that's why we're facing that so much today. Mm. Now, it's interesting what you said about the, your partner on the mental health side, because I did see you, you're a very strong mental health advocate. You support a couple different organizations. And you'd think over the past nine years, with all we know, that things would have changed a lot. So in, in that time, what has changed and what do you see still has to be worked on? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the billion dollar question, isn't it? It's, um, uh, so uh, I, I wrote an article actually uh, a few weeks ago um, comparing wellness to well-being. And I think, I, I think this sort of sums up the last decade, uh, I guess, from, from my perspective. Uh, when we first started the, uh, the, the summits, there was a lot of talk about Fruit Fridays and uh, and yoga classes and things like that and um, and and that was um, you know that that's good um, we we all need um, good nutrition um, uh, good exercise looking after ourselves good sleep all all of those things are are are, are personal to to individuals uh, to 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 help their own well being um, what what. What I've been trying to do over this last nine or ten years is is really focus on the elements of the workplace that we can that we can change uh, and try and uh, develop to to enable people to thrive. So uh, I touched on it earlier around the culture of an organisation, the, uh, the the job profile, the, the workload, um, the bad line managers, <laughs> all, all of those things that can have a real impact. It doesn't matter if we're eating well, sleeping well, doing all of the right things personally, um, which I would class as wellness. Um, the, 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 the piece around well-being is, is actually things that we can't control. And because we spend so much time at work, um, if we can change the workplace for the better uh, and create environments where people can thrive, then all of those things that you do personally really enhance uh, everything that that is going on in your life now of course there's going to be things that are out of our control you know i've uh, i've lost uh, relatives uh, and that happens suddenly um, and, and those things um uh you know will impact but but if we're doing the right things and our workplace where we spend a lot of our time is supportive around that um then i think we can really thrive um 
so so that that's really the the message and, and the journey i guess i've had over this last decade um and i'll just add uh you know this isn't just the right thing to do or or, or fluffy on the side it's uh, for me personally i think it's you know there's enough data out there now uh to demonstrate there's a really strong business case um around performance and profit i saw a great presentation the other day that links focus on well-being strategically actually linking to your share price so you know there's there's some real bottom line c-suite interest here uh now so um so i think i think we're seeing some some great developments we've still got a long way to go uh, and i'll keep banging the drum um until uh, until we're there well i love love to hear you see uh say that, that you're seeing that change uh, i started well, i started in the fitness industry many years ago and when i got into corporate it was still on the fitness side because the private clients they were seeing on personal training were inviting us to come in and run programs for their company. Can you run a fitness class here at lunch? Can you come in and do a nutrition seminar and all these things? And I can't count the number of nutrition seminars I did where there was pizza at the back of the room, but I won't even go. <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> but what we found after doing that for about 20 years is that, hey, great. HR would call us all the time and, and say, come in and do this particular service. But we realized the people that are attending may have loved it, but they weren't getting, HR wasn't getting support from the organization. The people that were taking it weren't getting support from their leaders. And so we were basically just doing these programs in a vacuum that weren't related to any higher level strategy. And so it was great that, you know, one of the best things out of COVID is the awareness around, okay, there's a, there's a problem with workplace culture and uh, a challenge with how leaders view wellness. And that's changing. The interesting thing I've seen, at least in Canada, I don't know what it's like in the other countries, and you can speak to that, but the, the leaders are saying, yes, this is important, but we're doubling down on the same programs that we've done in the past. We're adding more benefits coverage. We're doing more seminars and workshops that are not followed up with programming that's there to deliver actual behavior change. What are you seeing on that? Yeah, I think I, I think again, this is globally. This is this is a conversation that's happening. Um, my answer to that is that the. In, in recent years, the investment levels have increased, but on, on the rise as well are burnout numbers and uh, mental health conditions and all of, everything's going in the wrong direction, but the investment is increasing. So, so my challenge to employers, and, and I'm not saying this is easy um, because, you know, we're trying to be as supportive as we can to the, to the HR leaders within the, um, uh, within organizations, because they've got a really tough, tough job to do, but we've really got to focus in on impact um, and, and results now. So those, those investments, why are we making those investments? Do you think that's going to change everything by putting an app into an organization, but not actually deal with the, the source of the problem? Um, and, and um, you know, again, I, I love these apps. They're scalable. You can reach a lot of people very quickly, but it's not the silver bullet. We, we really need to fix the, the source of the issue and have the app. So, um, so I agree. I, I think um, you know we've got to take a step back as organisations and as leaders, 
and really think about where the issues are and, uh, and what do, what are we trying to fix here? Because um, those, like in any other investment in an organization, if you buy a new machine for a manufacturing plant, it's going to be quicker, it's going to be more productive, you're going to see better results. And that's why you buy that machine. So we need to apply the same business uh, approach to, to all investments, including those well-being investments, and really tackle the issues. Um, so we are seeing impact. And when we do see impact, the C-suites start to sit up and listen. Um, at the moment, you know, if, if we're just doing a few things around the edges, then it's not going to have a business impact. So, so taking that strategic approach, you know, our, our mission is to make well-being a strategic priority. Uh, and that means looking at every element of the business to really focus in on, on where the issues are and fixing them. I agree. Yeah. And I love the analogy of the, the machine, the, the buying a machine for the business, because yeah, the way it's being approached now is there's, there are a whole bunch of fancy machines that are purchased and they're sitting there and they look awesome, but no one's been trained how to use them. Uh, there, there are no systems and processes around it. It's like, Ooh, look at this. This is cool. And they slap it in a marketing brochure and send it out. <laughs> and people actually get frustrated because they're like, wow, that looks cool. I'd love to use it. But uh, my manager doesn't support me to actually use it or, Hey, I don't know how to use it effectively or I'm not allowed to use it because it's closed in a room and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all kinds exactly. of things that we see in companies every day. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what challenges do you, or I guess not what challenges, what differences do you see globally in the different events you do around the world? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, probably one of the most common questions I get asked actually. And um, uh, I, I think um, it, it's a complex nuanced answer um, that I'll have to give. <laughs> uh, so so there, there are elements um, that I would take from the Canadian um, market uh, and drop in. There are elements that are really good in U UK, in Australia, um, uh, in the Middle East even. There's some really innovative things going on around the world. I don't think anyone, any particular region has got it 100% right. And, and we're all still on this journey. Um, but, you know, when I, when I see um, uh, in Canada where, where, where you are, I, I think there's, there's certainly advances around uh, focusing on uh, early prevention, um, a, a lot more going on with younger people um, than there are in, in other areas of the world. Um, if we talk about physical health, you know, Australia definitely leads the way. It's, you know, um, sport and outdoor living is, is, is ingrained in their DNA. Um, so uh, I, I think there's, there's, element, there's areas of the world, I think in the UK, you know, we've had governments very much focused around uh, mental health and, and putting um, uh, resources and investment in that. Um, so uh, as I say, there's... Um, there's lots of good things going on around the world. I don't think we've we've cracked it as one particular region has cracked it and got it right. Um, there's there's some interesting learnings that we can take from each of those regions uh, and culturally, you know, there, there's different systems as well. So if we talk about Asia and the Middle East, it's, it is different to to Europe and North America. The healthcare system in the UK is different to the US. So. So there's lots of local nuances that that will affect the overall uh, piece, um, but I think overall 
we're looking and and this goes for globally um human focused leadership is definitely something that we're seeing a lot more of across the board and i think i think those old skill sets <clears throat> that you might expect to see in leaders um and uh the <laughs> what i would call old-fashioned way of leadership um you're being kind <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i am <laughs> um but um but the, but those are, i'm definitely starting to see those types of leaders uh, being moved along and and a new skill set uh, required to to lead um you know the bashing of the desk and you know expecting everyone to jump um is is it is clearly has is not working and and, and won't work we we need to have a new way of uh, uh leading uh, organizations and i think that's starting to shine through now and some of the results from i think we saw quite a lot of that during covid um a lot of CEOs coming out, you know, actually uh, speaking to their teams uh, in a more human way. Um, and I think if we can, if we can take some of those learnings from COVID and, and continue that um, and show vulnerability and be more human in the workplace, then uh, then I think we'll be a better place. Globally. Well, that fits. That's in line with what you said. You've seen over the past nine years is moving from wellness features uh, to more of the strategy side and in order for strategy to happen there requires a leadership mindset uh, leadership actions need to change that's hard work that a lot of companies are i guess hesitant to dive into uh, what do you, you know, what do you see having to have happen for that to work um well, well often um action is is taken when um when when there's issues when there's problems and uh, i think people um employees have voted with their feet and changed jobs if they're in a um if they're in a toxic environment if they don't get up you know people don't generally leave their jobs they leave their boss so um so if you're seeing trends uh in a particular department or a particular leadership team um and uh, and there's a there's an exodus of of talent um then i don't care who you are in terms of a leader you've got to sit up and listen to that so um <clears throat> I, I think we 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 saw that happening um and continuing to see that happening obviously it's slightly different now but um but 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 i think people are voting with their feet i think the younger generation are demanding more from their employer um, they're not just looking for a, a job with a paycheck. They're looking for a purpose driven. They're looking for values. They're looking for uh, a lot more. You know, I was, I was talking to a HR leader earlier this week um, around the, the situation in, in Israel and, and Gaza. And, you know, they were they were expected to be commenting and, and speaking up um, as an organization. Um, and rightly so. So, you know, if, if that's the demand from the employee uh, population now, um, organizations have to change. Otherwise, um, uh, to quote someone from uh, Stanford University who I spoke to about a year ago, they said, if, you know, if you don't change, you'll be dead in five years. Um, and, and, and it really is, you know, that, that change is coming quickly. 
Um, and I think um, I think most leaders are are picking up on that. Yeah, and I agree with that. The you know the the nature of work has changed, and what's expected of both employees and an organization. Uh, what you had said earlier about the the strategy and the C level involvement, uh, along with just the business outcomes, I, I see that as one of the biggest shifts. Is it's not there yet, but it's it's on the cusp of shifting. Where because the C suite is more aware that this is important, employee well-being and performance is important. The next, I guess, cog in the wheel is to have that be seen as a driver of business performance, taking care of people and really treating them well and you know, setting them up for success, mm. shifting the way leaders work with their teams to drive performance. I still see so many leaders that are strong technical experts but been promoted into a position of leadership and they still lead like they're a technical expert hmm. and a lot of leaders need to realize that they're in a leadership position you're not there to do the work anymore you're there to make sure your team does the work well and you remove the barriers and the roadblocks and you you're the coach yeah <laughs> you're not yeah. on the field and absolutely and that's a that's a shift that hasn't quite happened yet. And you see pockets of amazing leadership and departments that are thriving because they have strong people and performance focused leadership. But I don't think that's the standard yet across particularly large organizations. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And 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 also, you touched on high performance there. You know, we we globally we've got a productivity issue and um and a performance issue um and there's a lot of leaders scratching their heads going how can we fix this and um i think well-being is the answer <laughs> personally you know well-being equals high performance i know from personal experience um uh, but also talking to a lot of people um you know if if we get this right if we really think about this strategically uh, across the organization and remove those blockers and remove those um, uh, obstacles uh, to allow for high performance, really, really empower people, give them purpose, um, make them, help them thrive. That's going to, that's going to get your high performance. That's going to get your productivity levels. Yeah. Um, so it really is, I, I believe it's the key uh, to, uh, to business success. Um, now, yeah, we've got some convincing to do, but there's more and more data um, coming out uh, to to demonstrate that. And and the more organisations that that really take this seriously, that really think about this strategically, and start to deliver some really strong results, which we're starting to see in in some parts of the world, um, then then the other leaders will be sitting up and and listening because you know we all want the same thing. We all want high performing health. When I, my background is in the sports side, I was an elite athlete myself and have coached elite athletes and it corporate world has so much to, that they can learn and transfer from that environment. Like if an, if an athlete, no matter what their skill set is, is unwell and stressed out and not sleeping and not fueling their body properly, they're not going to perform on the field. If their coach is berating them every time they make a mistake or 
yelling at them in you know military style and we've you know you just have to watch ted lasso to see yeah, <laughs> the yeah, difference yeah. um but yeah. i i i love that show because it shines a big spotlight on the differences and we're seeing that in the workplace right now yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, we, we've had quite a few sporting uh, people speak. Uh, actually, the Ted Lasso video was in our Toronto event um, uh, that you mentioned. Um, but um, but we've had quite a few sporting speakers. And, and the one thing that comes through um, all the time is rest and recover uh, from the sporting world. And it, it's, just, it's just not in everyday corporate speak at the moment. And, you know, the longer hours and working really hard, that's going to get us uh, great performance. Well, actually, uh, the evidence shows otherwise. Um, so I, I completely agree. I think we can learn a lot from the sporting world. And, um, and certainly Western Recover is, is one of the key things that I, I don't think we do enough of um, in, in, the, in our work-life uh, environment. Yeah, the you know, 14, 15-hour days without taking a break from the computer, the people are like, I'm putting in lots of hours. It's like, well, <laughs> you probably put in half the hours and get more done if you yeah. were focused and recovering properly. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what do you see as the biggest, well, you, you talked about leadership being the, the biggest catalyst and new leaders coming in that are replacing the old school leaders, we'll call them. What role do you see employees having in helping that shift? Um, I, th I think they're doing it already. They're, they're far more vocal than my generation, um, uh, the, the younger generation. And, um, you know, they've been called all sorts of names uh, because of that. I just think they're, they're brave and they speak up and they're not, they're, not, they're not just accepting it like we did. When I w first went into the workplace, you know, I just get my head down and shut up and get on with it, you know, and, uh, and this generation, uh, this younger generation are far more braver, uh, speaking up uh, and, and calling out when there's uh, issues um, and calling out when there's problems. So, um, so I think that's, that's happening um, and, uh, and that will continue to happen. Um, and, and, you know, you look at the workplace, but the wider society, younger people are, are driving that change. Um, and it's exciting to see. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think they feel more empowered um, and uh, are, are changing things for the better. Uh, it's going to take time, uh, and and there'll be resistance like they're they're, they're seeing uh, across the world. But um, but but they are driving change because um, certainly the growth that we've seen in the conversation around mental health and, and well being has been driven by the younger generation. Um, and uh, that's, that's amazing. Um, really exciting as well. And, and what regional differences are you seeing in those areas? Like are certain countries, you speaking up more than, than others? Yeah, I think, I, I think culturally, um, you know, a, a, again, it, it will depend. Uh, if you go down to a micro level, it would, it would depend on the organization they work for. They might um, have to keep, keep really quiet about, um, or, you know, uh, particular subjects and, and can't speak openly about it. Um, I think off the record, um, we're seeing a lot more conversations uh, happening 
obviously culturally uh, in, in some of the areas where we serve, um, there's, there's real challenges. You know, we do, uh, we do an Africa conference and, um, uh, and, uh, and obviously, you know, work is everything to, to them. There's, there's not that uh, as much of a, um, a job market as you might see in, in the U S where people are moving around a lot. So, so there's various challenges and nuances in, in each of these regions, um, culturally in Asia, um, you know, that. The culture is that you stay in the office as long as your boss does. Um, so, you know, there's there, there's barriers to to break down. However, we are seeing that shift, um, and and the conversations we're having at the Asia Summit is 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 really interesting. Actually, about challenging those those, those norms. Um, it's not happening everywhere, uh, and there's still some, um, <laughs> but but we're starting to see glimmers coming through so um that's exciting to to, to see that um but uh, but certainly yeah i mean it, it varies from region to region but it also varies in uh, in industry sectors and and in particular organizations um i, I can think of um <laughs> one or two where where people might not necessarily speak too openly about uh, mental health or, or well-being, um, because it's all about the uh, it's all about the profitability and uh, you know driving those numbers. So um, you know there's still there's still stigmas in uh, in certain industries and, uh, and and companies. Yeah, and it's I've, it's interesting that you said that too. I had a conversation with a group of coaches yesterday, and there was they were talking about a, a fire department and how the employee relations, I guess, from the leader to, uh, to their team, particularly in those first responder type environments, it's very command and control. The, the chief says, do this and everyone follows the directions. And when you're going to put out a fire, I think that's probably really important, <laughs> but yeah. if you're in the office talking about different policies and processes there, having that type of leadership makes it more challenging these days. And in the mm. past, it was never questioned. People just did what they were told to do. But it's interesting to see that shift in, um, you know, pl police, firefighters, EMS, uh, military, and, and even in law firms and insurance, typical, um, the traditional companies that were very command and control. Mm. And um, yeah, I think, what uh, from some of the clients I've talked to, the we see that in Calgary in oil and gas. A lot of the oil and gas companies have been very traditional, and they were some of the first ones to go back into the office full time and and you know mandate that people went back. And there was a lot of pushback after yeah. uh, after COVID on that. And mm. so uh, when we look at hybrid or remote work or back to office policies what are you seeing differences around the world wow um well i i, I remember uh when the lockdown started to slow down and uh, and the conversation started around hybrid someone said to me um uh this conversation is going to go on for at least five years um and that was what 18 months ago and uh I I sort of laughed at him at the time, really, but it, I I think he he was actually right. Um, 
so so we have we have our advisory group um quarterly meetings and we've actually been doing them this week and the one thing that keeps on coming up uh strong across the world is we're really struggling with this return to office hybrid how do we how do we do this um some companies mandating you know two or three days in the office um some uh saying fully virtual some saying in the office five days a week really really difficult to get this right and uh i i'm afraid i i can't give a uh a, an answer as to to what is right i guess it's it's really about understand really understanding your business um what what is the needs um uh listening to your people understanding their needs um i think it's so i think it's a big big challenge and uh and one we're going to be grappling with for for a little while yet um one thing i would say is really think about why you're bringing people back to the office there's nothing worse than you know lots of people have said this you know coming into the office doing a two-hour uh, commute just to sit on teams and, and and zoom and you know why why are we doing that um i think we also need to take into account um the the, the different um situations people are in so i'm an introvert i love working at home i love getting my head down and <laughs> doing the deep work um whereas i know an extrovert feeds off other people being around so they might want to be in the office a lot more um you might have uh, caregivers, you might have parents, you, you know, all these, all these other things that are going on in people's lives. And I, I just think we need to really think about that. Um, the other thing that came up quite a lot in our, in our summits are the, the microaggressions that certain communities would have experienced when they were in an office environment. And actually now uh, working from home, those microaggressions are, are, are not there. So um, you know, it's, I, I think it's a really interesting thing. Uh, for me personally, I, I what we try to do is uh, we have a, a fully remote team. We're scattered all over the place, but we do come together, obviously, for, for the summits when we do that. But we also come together um, for for socials and, uh, and, and getting that connection time um, and and to to do creative work to, to bounce ideas around uh, which we're doing uh, in the next couple of weeks but um but actually being in an office um, with the way our workforce is because they're scattered everywhere it's, it's it's quite challenging so um so the connection is really important um and and having that team community and belonging um so i think there's a you know fully remote is challenging to to make that work um but yeah, it's. I think it's going to rumble on for some time. Yeah, I agree. And you brought up a really big point that I hear all the time is the, I just spend all this time commuting to get in and I sit on teams all day anyway, because someone's not feeling well and they're working from home and we need to remotely connect them in. And it's just half the team's not there and half the team is. And I think what is missing for a lot of companies is just the flexibility to say, yeah, you know what, work from home if you want. Um, when we come together for team meeting or something like that, great. We, we want you to come in in person if possible. There's, there's some of that, but I don't think most employees mind the odd time to come in. 
it's when they're told here's where you need to come and then they're resentful because they've they've got this they're on teams all day anyway they're like i could be sitting at home doing this and i have all this flexibility that i enjoy and i'm still getting of course you still have to get your work done but I think that's missing in in a lot of the organizations is the the flexibility and and I think can well wouldn't say Canada I'll say Calgary is a bit of a mix because there are some companies that are being very flexible with it and then other ones that are still holding the hard line and like nope everyone has to be in the office five days a week and there it's going to be interesting to see in a few years how the companies that are holding that hard line manage. Are they able yeah. to attract and retain people? Yeah, I was I was ch- chatting to someone, a HR leader uh, in Singapore, actually recently, um, about the return to to the office, and he said um, uh, we've kept it very flexible. But the last Friday of every month, um, we put on a big spread of food and drinks and social. And he said that's the busiest time the office is. You know, it's not nothing to do with work. You're not coming in for a meeting. You're not coming in to do anything. We're just going to connect and we're going to be social together. Um, And he said that's when 100% of the employees come in uh, and connect. And, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that's right for everyone, but clearly, you know, that sense of belonging, those relationships, those work relationships, having that connection time, but just keeping it really social, um, I thought was quite interesting. and, and yeah, might work for, for some organizations. Because actually, we've learned how to do a lot of things remotely. But that social connection and that belonging, I think, is still required. Yeah, and, and the, I wouldn't say we've, we've learned how to do a lot of things. I've, uh, I would say we always knew. It was just <laughs> a, like for 15 years, we've been able to do video, remote video meetings. It was, mm. just wasn't the norm until COVID hit. Yeah. And then everyone realized, oh, this is not as hard as we thought. And in fact, <laughs> yeah. we can get all kinds of things done that we didn't think we could get done. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see that. And and I think a lot of companies are still on long-term leases uh, for their buildings. And so there's this feeling of like, hey, the building's half empty. We're wasting this money. As leases start to come up, uh, we're already seeing ones that have, and people are cutting their leases by a third to a half. And that's a huge cost savings for companies. And they can apply those dollars in other areas to help remote hybrid workers create those social connections. Um, and you know, you look at companies like Atlassian, um, software companies that are fully remote and you know, people always say, oh, software is different. The tech industry is different. But uh, really, most <laughs> no, most workers are knowledge workers these days. And unless you need to be like reception, customer service, um, you know, service industry, there's a lot that can be done remotely that is, yeah. I, and I think the future is going to be very interesting to see how companies adapt and as more technology comes in to make even more things be able to be done remotely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and we shouldn't forget those organizations who, you know, um, 
had had one lady on uh, on one of our panels. They're, they're a catering company, so they're they're producing food. <laughs> you know, we can't work remote. That that's um, obviously the the office uh, teams can, but um, but the you know we're a catering company, so so there are there are circumstances where you have to be there. Um, it also leads on. We, we had a couple of discussions at the Canadian Summit around the four-day working week as well, and I think that's that that's going to really start to uh, develop because we're now seeing law firms, professional services, um, adopting that. So I think it's um, I think it's really interesting where where this could go. Um, but I think there's a, there's a still a, a few few more years of, uh, of of us talking about this this future of work. Because I think we're all still trying to figure it out. Well, and the pace of change has ramped up dramatically, and we're still we're still seeing a lot of downstream impacts from these changes that have happened over the past few years. I know in Calgary, the downtown core has been decimated. The there are still there are a lot more people in downtown now, but the way people are interacting with downtown is very different. Uh, a lot of the service industries are struggling because when people do come in, they're coming in earlier than normal. They're leaving earlier than they would in the past. Rush hour has changed. The, the traffic patterns have changed and people are in the office less days per week. And so, you know, the, some of the restaurants and bars are still doing fine, but when we look at the more ancillary services, um, the dry cleaners and the things like that that are normally doing bustling business because everyone's downtown, that that industry has shifted. Yeah. Um, I was in, in, from the fitness center side. We we manage corporate fitness centers as one arm of our business, and that has changed dramatically because people aren't in them as often. They're working from working out from home or in the suburbs, and so when they do come into downtown, they're not taking advantage of those services that they had in the past. So that's a downstream impact that's affecting so many different industries. Hmm. And we haven't even touched on AI. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's for the next podcast because <laughs> that's a whole new, you know. Um, uh, again, this is this, these are conversations that are happening at the moment with our advisory group. But um, there's a lot of there's a lot of shift happening, and I think there's, there's a lot of fear in there as well. Um, and I think we need to we need to really challenge that fear and look at the positives that can come out of that because that's that could really accelerate uh, well-being and uh, and scaling um, well-being uh, far more effectively. Um, and I think there's some really interesting things coming. So um, yeah, I'm excited by that. That's uh, on the in the pipeline of podcasts is uh, <laughs> the impact of AI on uh, workplaces. So yes, I'd love to hear your insights on that. Uh, cool. We'd give you a call on the next one. Uh, <laughs> so it, we've talked about lots of different things, and I appreciate you sharing your insights. What would you say is the if we're looking at the, the well-being, mental and physical uh, health, as well as the organizational strategy, what's what's the number one thing, or your top two things that leaders and organizations can do to accelerate that uh, change process? Yeah, I think um, 
look, I, I, I think we need to stop tinkering around the edges uh, in, in, in organisations and, uh, and thinking that, you know, a handful of smaller things are, are going to change um, the, the results. Um, and I think that's, that's where we've been. We, we've, we've almost got stuck in that since, since COVID. I think there are organisations that are looking at this really strategically. Um, you know, just simple things like the onboarding process. What, what are we doing around that, that particular area of an organization? Because if you, if you get that right in the first six or eight weeks of someone's employment, um, they are going to really thrive and really flourish. Um, and we're still getting so many things wrong. <laughs> it, just in that small process there. Um, but we can look across the organization and, and think holistically. Leaders, I think, Need to upskill um, emotional intelligence. Uh, vulnerability is a strength. Um, getting that message across, uh, and there's some great leaders demonstrating that. Um, and, and people will connect to that. And and I think also purpose. Um, finding that purpose of an organisation, but finding allowing employees to find their purpose and, and linking that because there's so much data again around. Once you find your purpose, the performance really excels. Um, <clears throat> and so if those values and purpose are, are really strong within an organization and an employee can connect to those uh, and find their own link, then, um, then again, they can really flourish. So, um, but yeah, they're big things. <laughs> they're not easy to do, but, um, but yeah, I think um, really, you know, it, it all hangs off leadership. And um, and these are the sort of areas that I think leaders should be focused on. Well, I love that. And so what I'm hearing is basically to see the organization and all aspects of the organization, including leadership, operations, and, and every other division through the lens of improving the performance of people, whether it's the onboarding process or the reporting structure or how performance feedback is given, all these things that companies are already doing, but to do those things through the lens of well-being, of, of well-being as the outcome, not, not wellness as a tactic. Hmm. And so when I, yeah, I agree with you, when leadership can put that lens on and then reassess the entire organization through that lens change will happen yeah absolutely. simple as that right done <laughs> done yeah <laughs> take 10 minutes <laughs> exactly <laughs> why isn't everyone doing it yeah it's um it's it, you know it's hard um and i, I say this at all of our uh, events and uh, and all communications that i have it, this is not easy um but great performance and and great organizations are not easy um yeah to to to, to it's not it's not easy to be a successful business um so we need to tackle some of these uh, tough things because the you know the evidence is there that it will improve performance it will improve the bottom line it will it, it will deliver um all of the things that the c suite want um and more um plus it's the right thing to do. We want happy, healthy people, don't we? Um, you know, uh, otherwise, we're just going to have a society where 
people are so stressed out they're so burnt out um uh they're not happy um and someone said something to me the other day um i can't remember i'll have to paraphrase because i can't remember the exact thing but the the impact of what the workplace has on wider society is huge you know if you have a bad day at work you come back you might take it out on your family you might not have time for your kids whatever it might be but the impact and and the ripple effect of that and i'd never really thought of that um in any great detail uh before because we're 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 so focused on on the workplace but actually the wider society uh, issues that that can be born out of stress from from the workplace is really important so so yeah for all of the reasons we've talked about as to why businesses should do it but actually what sort of society do we want to live in if you come out skipping out of your job really happy you know uh desperate for monday morning <laughs> you know really excited about your week ahead then you're going to be a better father or a better mother you're going to be a better friend you're going to be a better person in society and and the ripple effect of that is huge i agree and yeah that's you've just summed up why i got into the corporate world after seeing so many private clients on the coaching side just being miserable <laughs> it's like there's got to be a better way yeah yeah absolutely thank you thank you so much chris uh when's when's your next event where, where and where is it uh we're in uh, our next one is uh, is africa then uh, over to uh, australia so um so yeah a fair bit of traveling we're right in the middle of event season at the moment which is exciting but um uh, Canada is definitely one of my favorites. So I'm really looking forward to coming back there next year and, um, and, and seeing that develop. So, um, I really appreciate the invitation, Tim. It was great to, uh, chat to you and, and thank you for being part of the Calgary summit and looking forward to, to what's next. Me too. And, uh, I'm an avid traveler, so I'll have to try and, uh, I spent a year in Australia and, uh, <laughs> a little bit of time in Africa. So I, I might have to go visit one of those, uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you're always welcome <laughs> excellent well thank you so much chris we will chat with you very soon and i'll see you for sure again at the next calgary event take care oh and uh, before we go uh where can uh where can people find you oh uh on linkedin uh chris cummings um uh or our website is wellbeingatwork.world excellent i will put those on the show notes and so everyone can find you and Go visit you at the summit. Fabulous. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of the Working Well podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Which guests or topics would you like to see featured on the show? Message me through LinkedIn or on the contact page of timboris.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Group and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.